What's in a face? This is a question that's been a topic of fierce debate for centuries now, since shortly after Shakespeare's death all the way to the present. What did Shakespeare look like? For most of us, I'm sure it's just a casual curiosity. The same sort of curiosity that might prompt us to Google the name of a director of a film we liked, or to search for a band whose music we've only ever heard on Spotify. In most of those cases, we might be slightly surprised by what we find. Say a powerful, booming voice you've been listening to for the last week winds up coming out of a diminutive individual, let's say. But it'd be just a momentary surprise, a tiny bit of cognitive dissonance that we'd reconcile in our heads and move on from. Shakespeare's face, though, seems to inspire more heated discussion. As he's moved away from being a famous but not universally renowned playwright and poet, as he was in his own time, and towards becoming the all-conquering goat, master of the English language, there's become more and more weight piled onto his image and what he looked like. Whether it was Ben Jonson himself, one of the co-producers of the first folio, who put an image of Shakespeare on the cover, or the Victorian-era public, who so idolized Shakespeare that there was an entire industry of individuals who would fake portraits of the man for profit. Across all the time, Shakespeare's picture has become part of how we think of the man and his works, as well as his enduring popularity. When a man becomes idolized, it's no longer enough to merely guess what he looks like. We want to know. And if what we learn in knowing that doesn't match up with what we knew previously, the cognitive dissonance will only grow in proportion to the importance of Shakespeare himself as an entire concept. So for the last several hundred years, people have been searching for a true portrait of Shakespeare, painted in his own time, with his blessing, maybe with his little signature on somewhere in there, and giving us something closer to the unvarnished truth of what the man looked like. That way, we hope, we can learn a bit more about him thereby hopefully learning a bit more about his plays, his worldview, his biography, anything to do with him at all. Unfortunately, like many parts of Shakespeare's biography and life, this is an avenue of study that just seems inevitably to lead nowhere except for where the researchers were already going. There's no single portrait we can point to with absolute certainty as being of Shakespeare as he lived, and the two produced for his memorialization are similar enough that for me at least the issue is well settled. We know what he looked like close to his death, and that's good enough for me. Everything more beyond that is an extrapolation, something that someone has decided is true, not based on the portrait, not based on Shakespeare in any way, but because they feel like that's what Shakespeare should have looked like. But even I have to admit, there's a certain pull in trying to discover a different angle to the man through a picture. Just like when I found out one of my favorite singers looked exactly as I'd always imagined he did, a part of me likes to answer the question, what's in a face, with a resounding everything. Just look. That's Shakespeare, isn't it? Since brevity is the soul of wit. More of your conversation would infect my brain. Romeo. Wherefore art thou, Romeo? To speak of him as my kinsman, he's a most notable coward. An infinite and endless liar. An hourly promise breaker. The owner of no one good quality worthy your lordship's entertainment. I'd beat thee, but I should infect my hand. The lady doth protest too much, methinks. The course of true love never did run smooth. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Aiden. And we are the Bix. Yes, we are. We're here to discuss uh, a topic that is kind of near and dear to my heart. Yes. I don't know about yours, Aiden. Uh, it's grown near. It's grown near. In the the, the topic of, of Shakespeare's portraiture, depictions of Shakespeare. Um, something that as an art history 
uh, once once upon a time art history minor mm-hmm. uh, was it's something that's very like I said very near and dear to my heart. Um, I love the idea of uh, discovering who someone is through the depictions of that person, either made in their lifetime or made in memorialization of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I proposed this topic. Aiden didn't know much about it at all, but nope. he spent the last week or so reading Stephanie Nolan's book, which came out after the discovery of the Sanders portrait yep. in 2001, I 2001. think. 2001. Uh, so he's brushed up on his Shakespeare portraiture knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I guess let's start off by just asking, Aiden, what did you... what Coming into this topic a week mm-hmm. ago, what did you know about Shakespeare's image and what have you learned about Shakespeare's image since that time? <laughs> I have learned a lot because I didn't know much. I knew about the first folio cover. Um, I honestly thought the uh, bust, which we will discuss later, which mm-hmm. is in on Shakespeare's gravesite in Stratford-upon-Avon, I thought that was done much later. I thought oh. that was done in like the late 1600s maybe oh. or something like that. Okay. Um, I didn't realize it was contemporaneous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I literally thought the uh, folio cover was the only known depiction of him okay uh so even just learning that was a was a a big step forward uh but then i the the book does a really great job of walking you through kind of the history of shakespeare's portraits and the weird cultural connections that it creates that i was kind of alluding to in the Mm -hmm. in my intro um you know there was at one point a whole industry of people faking shakespeare portraits there was a guy who's on the record saying like he literally walked i think it was a journalist uh in the the victorian era through his process, he's like, all right, well, this is close enough. I'm just going to take this painting, uh, touch it up a little, add a little extra few things, take, take a hairline back, mm. add a, a doublet, and uh, boom, I've got a painting I can sell to someone for five pounds, which is like a ton of money back then, right? Mm. Uh, so it was, it was this crazy little uh, get-rich-quick scheme that's very Victorian. Right. <laughs> uh, and I... You know, there's there's that. There's the whole. There's all the history of the individual portraits right. that we're going to talk about, um, which are all really interesting. The Sanders one, obviously, I read a significant portion of, um, or I read a significant portion of the book is dedicated to that portrait, uh, and so I, I I feel like I can speak fairly knowledgeably about well, that that's one. That's good. That's good. Um, but yes, most of other most of what else I knew uh, was from your. Uh, insightful instruction Ah. as always Lindsay uh and I couldn't remember a lot of it uh but going through the portraits again a lot of them instantly are recognizable even if we don't have very them on very good terms that they Mm -hmm. are actually of Shakespeare Mm -hmm. uh just because his image is reproduced everywhere and you can't always just use the bust or the the engraving on the folio so uh all these other ones are identified as Shakespeare even though they probably weren't well and that's what's interesting is is like you said this industry that crops up in the uh, 18th century um where people are are knowingly forging Mm -hmm. images or taking older portraits and changing them to make them look like Shakespeare so that they can pass them off um and and I think that that speaks to the bardolatry that has grown up around uh that still exists to this day Mm -hmm. but was really reaching kind of fever pitch in the the 18th century with david garrick and and some of the great uh Mm -hmm. shakespearean early shakespearean actors Actors um of the non-shakespearean age yeah 
Um, yes, post-Shakespeare, Post-Shakespeare, yes. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, like that industry, that Shakespeare industry really starts to kick into high gear. And it does muddy the waters for a lot of things. Uh, as we go through, we'll talk about the portraits that have been identified now as as forgeries or um, misattributions anyway. Because sometimes it didn't. It, it is the, the case that somebody thought this was of Shakespeare and it later came out because it was dirty. Um, they cleaned it up and they're like, oh, here's a coat of arms that... Yeah. Or whatever that that hadn't been seen because there was varnish over it, or mm-hmm. or whatever. So, um, but it does make the issue of authenticating portraits of Shakespeare kind of uh, tricky. Any portrait is yeah, difficult to authenticate, and I think that's a problem in the art world, generally speaking. You have um, Prince Charles very recently, within the last year, uh, duped. Um, by forgers, he. Oh, I yeah, I, I, oh. I don't know the whole story. I'm going to get it wrong if I try and recount it. But there was an issue with uh, art or a, an art gallery or something that he was a patron of or something. Somebody had had forged a bunch of the paintings that were on display and. Um, and yeah, so I mean, this is a problem that's that's happening to this day with that that uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Um, Salvatore Mundi that people are now wondering if that's actually a, a da Vinci right yeah. so or sorry people are wondering if that's a Leonardo but um yeah so and that sold for half a billion dollars so I mean this is a big a big question that big people industry, are yeah. people are talking about yep. um in all avenues of art the art history and the art world mm-hmm. um but the problems with with I think Shakespearean or Shakespeare portraiture I think is that the ones that we do know for sure are, or the ones that we can know with as much certainty as we can have, yeah. uh, were made posthumously. They yeah. were made after his death, very near his death. So the the um, the Stratford Monument actually was probably from about 1617, mm-hmm. um, probably commissioned by a family member or somebody close to him. And then the engraving probably dates to some time it, it couldn't have been any earlier than 1616 but it probably closer to the publication of the folio in 1623 yeah. um and everything else that comes from that is measured against those two yes and if they don't match the look of either of those two they're they're pretty almost pretty immediately Rejected. discounted yeah. Yeah. as authentic yeah. um which is problematic for a couple of reasons that I think we'll get into when we talk about those specifically. Um, so it may, it brings up some interesting things when a portrait, like the Sanders portrait, yeah, is kind of discovers yeah. and it, and it has a fascinating provenance. It's it's not very well known um, yet, but it 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 has the potential to be um, a, a from life portrait of the man himself, similar to the Chandos portrait that we'll talk about as well. Uh, the Cobb portrait is another one that we're going to talk about that I really like personally. So, um, yeah, the, the, these are ones that don't fit the mold necessarily of what we think Shakespeare should look like. And, and I think that if you step aside from all of the, the scientific testing that you can do on a painting, dendrochronology and UV and radiographs and, and x-rays and, yeah. and and paint testing. Carbon, like, fi- carbon testing. Carbon, yeah, yeah radiocarbon dating. dating. All of these things are, can, well, not all of them, but a lot of them can be very destructive to the paintings. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these paintings aren't subjected to the full gamut of um, of tests that they could be. Those are the things that really could prove without a shadow of a doubt that a painting is 
contemporaneous or not. Yeah, or, at least at least establish a timeline yeah, exactly. for its existence. Whether or not it was Shakespeare it was painted is another story. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing is that we can you can date a portrait or you can date a painting to a, a time period, but you can't always prove who is depicted. Yeah, and so you look for things like who owns the painting, the provenance of the painting. Um, did it pass down as some of these portraits have done? through one family for 300 or 400 years that is that's like the holy grail i think if you have unless you had like a photograph of shakespeare sitting for the portrait (laughs) which is not possible i mean that's probably one of the closest things that you can get is to have a a provenance that it this yeah is that solid especially a really solid one based on documentation like it's one thing to say like the family's had it for 300 years um but it's another thing to say oh and there's here's 20 wills yes that show where it's been passed on every single generation or or an inventory of what's in the house from you know 50 years after the painting was said to have been painted or whatever or you have references to it in you know diary entries you know or whatever you can find this 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 is the kind of stuff that that you look for when it comes to um establishing establishing that provenance um but the other thing is that, you know, coming back to does it look like Shakespeare, mm-hmm. um, when people get really ingrained and really focused on what they think Shakespeare ought to look like, that it, it's almost easier to believe that what they like they can't let go of what they believe Mm -hmm. it's easier to hold on to that even if it's a lie than it is to accept the truth (laughs) and and expand the definition of what shakespeare might have looked like right because that's the other there are so many other things that's (laughs) one other thing about elizabethan portraiture is that it's it's very much like elizabethan spelling there was no like (laughs) well it's not like it was completely fluid but you know the way Three, you could have three different portraits painted by three different painters and they would look three different ways, the mm-hmm. same person. So it's not like there were standards of of portraiture in that way. There no. were certain things that were similar. but um, So you could have a portrait like the Sanders portrait that looks nothing like any previous portrait of Shakespeare and have it be authentically Shakespeare because of the way that Elizabethan uh, portrait painters operated. operated yeah. So, I mean, there are so many problems with authenticating Shakespearean <laughs> portraits that um, we really are going on. There, there's going to be heavy editorializing here because the information that we are, are getting has been editorialized before it reached us. And then we have our own biases. So, the, I mean, the, the, the long and short of it is that there really is the two mm-hmm. confirmed images of Shakespeare, the bust and the engraving. Yeah. Um, both of those were uh, approved, I guess, by people who knew mm-hmm. Shakespeare yeah. themselves. So, so they, they at least have a likeness. Yes. It may not be exact. And there is some discrepancy between the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you and I saw the the uh, engraving in Stratford-upon-Avon. And not the engraving, the bust. Not the, yeah, sorry, yes. the bust. Uh, but we saw that in... In the church, In yep. the church, and it's it's... <laughs> It's one thing. Uh, it doesn't look exactly like the folio. No. Um, and the folio itself has a bunch of issues. The head's too big. The, yeah, but it's the an engraving. Are, yeah. So, I mean, it's hard to get. And, and I mean, Droshout, Martin Droshout, who's the engraver, was widely considered to be not a very talented engraver. Yeah. He was of middling talent, yeah. let's say that. Um, so, I mean, a lot of those things can be explained away as just a lack of 
finesse on the part of the engraver. Yet, nonetheless, between the two, there's a lot of similarities. Too. Like, it's not like they're two totally different no. people and you're left wondering. Like, they, they obviously were drawn from the same memories yeah. uh, to create or a, potentially a painting. Or the death mask, which is what has been uh, put forward yes. and suggested for the uh, the bust was that a death mask was used, yeah. um, which may or may not have been true. That death mask um, may or may not actually be of Shakespeare. Yeah. But there is a death mask floating out there that <laughs> well. does bear a striking resemblance to uh, the bust and the, the engraving. So, I mean, I guess if we're looking at that, then <laughs> sure. it may be authentic. Um, but yeah, th- so th- just just that as a caveat before we start, um, there's, there's just a lot of room for interpretation here. There's also um, something that comes up when we talk about forgeries is that uh, the paintings... The physical paintings themselves, the size of the portraits have been altered. And the way that a lot of um, art historians will know that is because the standard sizes of those portraits, they're very different from today, although there were standard sizes. And as we get into the later 17th and early 18th centuries, you, you get much closer to what we would consider standard portrait sizes. Um, earlier paintings, like the Sanders portrait, were done on panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and... If you had a panel portrait that you wanted to alter and there was a border on it that identified the sitter, you would just cut it off. So the painting would go from being 30 inches by 25 inches to, you know, you cut off an inch around each side and then it would be this non-standard size that would be very odd. So an art historian can look at that and on a wood panel, it's easy because you can see where it's been cut. Where the wood's been cut, yeah. Um, And then you'd say, okay, well, something has been altered. Something is missing. And that right away will be suspicious. Canvas was starting to be used as Shakespeare, towards the end of Shakespeare's life and well into the 17th century. So Mm. a lot of these are on canvas. Um, Those standard sizes would have been measured out in yards, which are 36 inches, or an interesting term that I just discovered was an L. If if it was an L long, it was 45 inches. Um, So those would be standard, uh, some of the standard sizes would be, you know, a yard in length or an L in length, um, and they would be three-quarter length or half length, and that would determine the size of the the painting. Mm -hmm. Um, If they were altered in some way, that would also be suspicious, but it would be harder to tell from looking at it, you would have to measure it, or it wouldn't be in an original frame or something like that. So these are some of the ways that people have looked at paintings and decided right off the bat that they're no they're no good and then other ways are like we mentioned the uh, dendrochronology which Mm -hmm. is measuring the wood rings on panel portraits and paint x-ray radiography radiocarbon dating of the canvas and the frames and that kind of thing and the ink or whatever else was used on it yeah yeah why then the world's mine oyster which i with sword will open so there is the stratford monuments we'll we'll start with the most uh confirmable yeah. Of the uh, various entries. This is the earliest one. This is the earliest one, yeah. and it's, yeah, it was done very shortly after his death. So it was uh, installed at Holy Trinity um, very shortly after his death. So about 1617, 1618, uh, which is when John Weaver visited and transcribed the monument and the grave epitaph yeah. that's also famous uh, for Shakespeare nerds like us. Um, so it's carved in a pale blue limestone. Uh, by Gerard Johnson slash Gerard Jansen. He, he was, was a, a Flemish. Uh, yeah. yeah. A lot of the artists that we'll talk about yeah. are, are Flemish uh, emigres or, you know, just traveling through the English countryside because that's where they had a lot of knowledge. 
there was not much knowledge in England, so they found... They did so much trading with, yeah, with, and the, exactly, yeah. with the low countries. There was a lot of back and forth anyways, yeah. but these people were finding a market for their skills. There was a surplus of painters yeah. and, in the low countries. And they all had Gerard, Gerard, Jansen. Yeah, yeah. Very, very common names yes, when yeah. as we're going through. Not the same person in every case. Yeah, exactly. Just, yeah, saying that <laughs> from the beginning. So uh, <laughs> it, we'll, we'll obviously provide uh, links to pictures of all these, but... Um, the, if you haven't seen it, it is a uh, demi figure, so that's so from the halfway, waist up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's Shakespeare holding a quill in his right hand, uh, with his left hand resting on a piece of p- paper um, atop a cushion. Uh, he wears a he's wearing a red doublet and a black subfusk. Subfusk. Okay. Yep. He's got a hazel eyes and auburn hair so yeah. it is painted uh it has been repainted it's been repainted since but it's fairly consistent like yeah. they've just touched it up to uh keep the color there as opposed to to failing out um and it above it is the uh shakespeare uh coat of arms yep. that he did acquire in his later uh successes yeah 1590 something 1595 yeah. 96 so it's it is uh quite striking uh it's 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 odd when you walk in there and you look up and it's it's on the wall and it's a little high up and uh, it's it's just it's an odd sensation to, to being see in it. the church is an odd sensation. Yeah. I think that influenced both of us being in there, even though there's there's really I've watched a documentary where they actually were able to go into the chancel and there are no bones like the, mm. the, the grave itself is not big enough to hold a body. So like it's doubtful that they're that his bones are still there. They yeah. might have been moved or something, yeah. but still you're there and it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, like. It's Shakespeare. And then you look up on the wall and it's literally like looking down on, on, on yeah. Anne Hathaway and yeah, Shakespeare grades, and his daughter yeah, yeah. and her husband. And and it's like, oh, and there he is up there too. Yeah. It's it's kind of, it's an interesting <laughs> feeling to be there. But you have to you have to think that this was probably commissioned by a family member. Yeah. Um, this would have been their church that they went to, mm-hmm. presumably. Uh, so they would have seen it on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, so the... The depiction of this man, even though he's a little bit pudgy, he looks yeah, he a little d- doe faced. Yeah. Um, he doesn't look. Uh, yeah, like there's a there's a weird philtrum, like his his upper lip um, yeah, is like, weirdly shaped. Yeah. He doesn't. His whole look, facial hair. Is, yeah. is kind of a little off. It is. It's he a, doesn't look appealing. <laughs> So, I mean, well, but, but it, it's in the high eye of the beholder. This is yes. absolutely what I'm getting yeah. at is that this does not look like the face of a man who wrote Julius Caesar or King Lear, or King I, Lear. I, I, but I couldn't disagree more. I think no, it looks exactly but, like but, him, but, but I think, <laughs> I think that's wonderful that it's, it's, it's not, it's the, the, the earliest instance of a depiction of Shakespeare. And it's the one that you look at and you're just like, he looks like a, like a wool dealer, which is why I think a lot of people who the anti-Stratfordians really latch on to yeah, the. We, we haven't even gotten. We into haven't the, gotten into this yeah, at all. But the but the question, the, but. the anti-Stratfordians who do not believe that the man from Stratford wrote the plays of Shakespeare, um, they point to this statue and there are several conspiracy theories about it but they say there's no way that this man could be that the cushion why would he be writing on a cushion it must be a bag of grain he's a grain dealer this is depicting a a merchant this isn't depicting a a writer well i mean he was by the end of his life a lot of his money was invested in like he bought up a bunch of land and farmland yeah like like he was wealthy partly because of that so 
even it if it wouldn't, was. It wouldn't be yeah. out of character, I suppose, no, exactly. for his monument to look. Especially and maybe the people was, in Stratford, that's yeah. what they would have known him for. Oh, he's the big landlord now. They they probably would never have been to London and seen yeah. the play, right? So, But the fact remains that he is depicted with a quill, um, mm-hmm. even in those early... Uh, mentions of it there's yeah. a quill there and that is a very common depiction of of uh, a poet or a, a yeah. philosopher or something to have a quill there's angels or cherubs above one that represents um, labor and one that represents rest so I mean mm-hmm. it, this is not it's a wealthy you would have to be wealthy to commission it but it does speak to um, the identity of the person being an important an important person yeah it, it, however you slice it absolutely um there's also the plaque underneath it that reads in in Latin that um, he was a pillion uh, in justice, a Socrates in genius, and a morrow in art. Uh, and then the 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 poem that that beckons the watcher, the the person below, to stop and think about this great person, um, remember his art, remember his words. So I mean, it's it's definitely all around quite a um, an interesting depiction of Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So I guess the argument for it being a depiction of Shakespeare is that it's, it's very obviously a very depiction. obviously a depiction of Shakespeare made with living memory yeah. placed in a location of prominence above his grave where his widow and daughters would have seen it on the regular yes. um, and it's referenced in the first folio as well mm, yeah. um, in a poem by uh, Leonard Diggs which meant references thy Stratford monument in yeah. in um, salutation to the poet yeah. to the poet so uh, I think those are all pretty good strikes for it strikes yes. against it are that people think it doesn't look like Shakespeare which is a common strike against most of these portraits because they don't <laughs> and this is what I was getting at in the start of the essay so I'll just mention it here because it seems ridiculous here but uh, it applies through all of them is that that is so stupid because literally we don't know what Shakespeare looked like <laughs> so <laughs> being upset that it doesn't look like someone uh, that you don't know what that person looks like is literally just because you want Shakespeare to look a certain way. That's going to um, be the point of what we're talking your, about yes. in this entire podcast. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's the Stratford Monument. The second mm-hmm. one that I think uh, we'll we'll talk about made in at earliest sixteen sixteen, the latest sixteen twenty two twenty three is the Martin Drochaud engraving. Yep. Uh, the famous woodcut uh, featured on the frontispiece for the title page of the first folio. Um, yeah. Martin Drochaud was a, a yeah, well, as you said, yeah, a middling yeah <laughs> Flemish uh, artist, engraver yeah. of middling talent. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin Roland Lewis, who's a, a Shakespearean scholar, called him an engraver after the conventional manner. <laughs> uh, a lot of his engravings. I looked at a few other engravings. They all have weird things, things going yeah, on where it's yeah. just like the perspective is off or there's you know and so the the problem with the engraving is that you know both of the arms look like they're the same arm like they both belong <laughs> to the left shoulder or the right shoulder or something yeah, yeah. and like the the collar is off center and makes it look like the head is kind of not attached to the body yep um the eyes also look like they're like one of them looks like it's droopy but i think it's because i I think it's because it's the same eye just repeated twice. Like he didn't know how to do a left eye and a right eye. So he just did two right eyes or something. Um, it's weird. Like it, there's just something off-putting about it. But again, it's it's the depiction of Shakespeare that we all know because it's featured in 
films that's featured in uh, collections of Shakespeare. Um, all the little kitschy knickknacks. Yeah, they it's all, all based this, yeah. on this engraving. Yeah. So uh, there's that going for it. I guess. Um, it depicts a man in a clumsily executed doublet with a high balding forehead that he's become known for. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, again, a little bit of a weird doughy face um, on that wide and awkward Elizabethan collar. Well, it just looks, <laughs> it just looks not natural. Like, I don't know. There's just something he's, about the, he's a, he's a happy old man at this yeah, point. You know, I'm not, like, I'm not casting judgment. I'm just, I'm, I, it's not about the person. It's about the execution of the drawing okay, and the execution okay. of the carving. I, I'm saying perhaps it was very accurate. Well, maybe and that's it just was. what his face looked maybe like. Maybe it was. he was 50 and very successful. So I'm just saying, just don't uh, sorry. Um, and this was probably very likely a copy of a portrait that was already in existence. Possibly the Jansen or the Cobb portrait or whatever portrait that those paintings were based on, the original portrait for that. Um, because it does bear a striking resemblance to later portraits, so um, which have provenances going back further. So we'll get into that. Um, arguments for it being Shakespeare? Uh <laughs> Well, I mean, there's the whole front piece to the folio yeah. in which they say, here he is. There was Shakespeare. This is the guy. This is the guy. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, I'll read, I'll read the pertinent lines from the poem because. Uh, this is it, the poem. This is Ben Johnson's, this is the entire yeah. poem I put in our notes here. Oh, is it? To the reader. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. That uh, Ben Johnson wrote. So here it is. The figure that thou here seest put, it was for gentle Shakespeare cut, wherein the graver had a strife with nature to outdo the life. Oh, could he have but drawn his wit as well in brass as he has hit his face. The print would then surpass all that ever was, all that was ever written brass. But since he cannot read or look, not on his picture, but on his book. Yeah. Which so, I guess is kind of saying, you know, you, this isn't going to do justice to the guy, yeah. but it's close enough. And you can, you can see more of him in the, in yes, the book, in, in, the, the, in the writing itself. Yes. I think that's, yeah. that's fair to say. Um, but yes, once again, it was agreed upon by the people who put the folio together. Yeah, yeah it's good. It looks like Shakespeare. Yeah, this so is, this is good enough. Let's put it out there. Yeah. And I mean, these were people who knew him, right? Mm. Uh, so, like, it's hard to argue with with that. Unless you're an anti-Stratfordian yes. and then you say that they were all in cahoots and trying to pass off somebody else as the real Shakespeare. Yes. Um, which is the main arguments against it is that this is yeah. this is quite a... An elaborate hoax, hoax of some sort. Yeah, sort of and and I mean we uh, we can get into it in far more detail with the anti-Stratfordian when when we talk about the authorship question. But mm-hmm. I mean the fact that it looks like the engraving, the the man in the in that engraving is wearing a mask, um, or that his head is not connected to his body, or that his it's like one arm is front and the other one is backwards, so he's like two faced or something. I don't know. There are all sorts of clues. People get very into cryptographical analysis of this engraving it's quite funny um yeah but it's it's (laughs) the argument against it there it's really there aren't many arguments against it no it'd be hard to create a logical one that doesn't rely on on other suppositions elsewhere right exactly so i think these are the two that everybody universally will agree are the the closest depictions of shakespeare not made from life or at least Um, the, the likeliest ones that are exactly that are appropriate yeah Methinks thou art a general offense, and every man should beat thee. I think thou was created for men to breathe themselves upon thee. So the next portrait that I think we want to discuss is the Chandos portrait, um, so named because it was owned by the Duke of Chandos. Um, 
It was painted sometime between about 1600 and 1610. I think the the oak panel it was painted on was dated to after 1595 anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but no later than 1610 because of the style of the collar or something. Okay. Um, it was named after the Duke of Chandos, who previously owned the portrait and was acquired by the National Portrait Gallery in 1856. It's the first piece listed in their collection. Wow. So it's what started the National Portrait Gallery. This is problematic for um, establishing its authenticity, as I will tell you in a short minute. Okay. Um, it depicts Shakespeare with a loose collar and an earring, which are typical of romantic depictions of the poets. Kind of devil may care. Yeah. A little bit loosey-goosey. Yeah. Um, it may have also been a depiction of Shakespeare as an a character in a play. I was I read this somewhere mm. that it seems like it could have been Shakespeare in costume as Shylock from The Merchant of Venice. I'm not sure how true that is, but it's it's interesting to think about Shakespeare acting in his own plays. So maybe that's why that <laughs> that story has stuck around. Yeah. Well, um, it's racist, but we can get there anyway. Well, yes, and and that that is also <laughs> a problem too, but it was significantly damaged over the years and by, by cleaning and by overpaintings. The, the hair was longer and the beard was pointier than, than it was originally painted. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it's it's quite an interesting portrait. It's sort of, I, I've seen it described as lascivious, um, which I think plays into uh, some of the racist connotations that come yes. out against it again people say it doesn't really look like shakespeare because he's too uh quote-unquote swarthy or he's he looks too jewish or where he looks like a chimney sweep with jaundice is how somebody else <laughs> described it people just can't wrap their heads around shakespeare looking like this yes. especially this this portrait was kind of discovered in the 18th century so at the time people were like no this can't be shakespeare because he doesn't look english enough yeah. and that that comes back to what Aiden you were talking about that how can you know what Shakespeare looked like it's what you want Shakespeare to look like and this is not what the English wanted Shakespeare to look like not your national poet who's just been so declared in the 18th century you know you don't want them to to look like anybody except for probably the most recent king because that would be the only suitable you know national figure that that they're allowed to compare him to right but it's a it's it's a since has um kind of become established as the best example of a portrait of Shakespeare um, painted from life. If it was painted as late as 1610, then then it definitely would have been painted during his lifetime. And uh, and so it's it's up there in terms of, you know, it's a first tier painting if yeah, you want to go definitely. there. Yeah. Um, and it does it does bear a very close resemblance to the other two. Yes, it uh, does. Portraits and people have discussed. done that where they've overlaid them and they've done things like measuring the the distance of the eyes and the the ear to the nose and the top of the yeah. head and and these are things that people do when they're trying Absolutely. to establish authenticity and and it it matches up in a lot of As, key there's yeah. like 13 points that people look for and it matches wow. most of them so it's this okay. is that's it's, interesting. It's good stuff. I'm just saying at a glance, you're like, oh yeah, it's the same guy, different painter. Sure. <laughs> you yeah, know, no. and like or different artist, right? And it, it it helps build that that uh that image because it is it is uh supporting the uh common uh understanding of what Shakespeare looked like. Because it, it does support those initial two that have formed the basis of every uh merchandising effort and so forth so seeing this one you're just like yeah that's 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 the same shakespeare uh some of the other portraits go a little out of their way to perhaps provide some distance from those other ones so we can talk about that sorry sorry Liz, i interrupted no, you. no that's Continue. okay um 
So no definitive painter has been given for this mm-hmm. portrait. It was suggested that maybe Richard Burbage was one of was was a potential painter, or John Taylor, who was uh, related to the company, a painter stainer, um, member of the painter stainers guild, um, or Joseph Taylor, who was a, a protege of Shakespeare's in in his later years. So those are all people who um, are possibly related to uh, uh, the painter of this portrait. Yeah. Uh, it does bear a strong resemblance to the Joe Shot engraving, and um, it was established as a front runner in terms of uh, from life portrait of Shakespeare by Dr. Tarnia Cooper, who is of the National Portrait Gallery, who spent like three and a half years examining it and determined that it was the most likely authentic from life portrait. Yeah. Um, it has pretty good provenance. It came down through. Um, what it's been said that it came down through Sir William Davenant, who was Shakespeare's godson um, or illegitimate son, depending on which what story else? you yeah. <laughs> yeah. you go with. And uh, so that's that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, I mean, yeah, tracing it back to a uh, contemporary of Shakespeare, yeah. like someone who was alive at the same time as Shakespeare. That's a pretty yeah, good sign. So exactly. um, it definitely has that going for it. Um, going against it. Uh, I mean, the whole National Portrait Gallery, uh, Dr. Cooper's analysis. She works for the National Portrait Gallery. Yeah. That's who owns it. There's there's a big conflict of interest of there. Of course there and is. It, as I remember, I, I didn't read as much on this one, but um, at the time of the, that the book on the Sanders portrait was published, they said that the uh, Chandos had not gone through quite as much rigor in terms of uh no uh scientific analysis i think it has but i don't think it had been published ah okay and and it wasn't going to be published i can't remember when um stephanie nolan's book was was i think 2003 because the the national portrait gallery put on um i think it was called in search of shakespeare Mm -hmm. which was a they had a a whole exhibition in 2006 where they put six portraits up we're talking about all of them here, starting with the Chandos, which is, again, their kind of their crown jewel yeah. of, of 17th century portraiture. They yeah. have a huge collection there. Um, and this was the first item in their gallery. So um, I think they, like you said, have a vested interest in, in authenticating it. But they also had a monetary interest in withholding any information they had until after that um, uh Exhibition, exhibit exhibition yeah, yeah. had gone through its so i think now that information might be released okay. but i didn't look it up or anything because they did do some more testing but it was kind of secretive so yeah maybe well, another strike against it and, and that's worth mentioning at this point is that if you if you have a not uh 100 sure if it's not if it's not the engraving or the bust um and you think it's of Shakespeare, you have a vested interest in maintaining the yeah. idea that it is of Shakespeare yeah. because it, it can sell for tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. Absolutely. Uh, whereas if it's proved to be a fake, it might be worth a thousand or a couple right. of thousand, right? Um, so if it's a family heirloom or if it's something you've purchased with the understanding that it's Shakespeare, mm-hmm. why would you ever uh, then subject it to the testing that would prove that, no, it was actually painted in the seven, in the 1700s yeah. uh, and it's an obvious forgery. Uh, so that, that, that is a, there's a lot of these portraits I think that have not undergone quite as much yeah. uh, rigor, rigor because of that. Um, the Sanders one is a, is one exemption. Yes. That, the Sanders has been tested to the nth degree, degree yes. um, but yeah. we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the other thing against it is just ridiculous, but it is it is a common complaint is that he doesn't look super English. He doesn't. Yeah. He looks like um, a now, pirate. Yeah, he did, well, especially <laughs> in the Chandos. Yeah, I mean the earring really has him off as as quite the uh, the dandy pirate as yeah. it were. Um, 
but I mean, it's again, it's similar enough to the engraving that uh, you can't help but think, yes, this is the same guy. But it, the features are perhaps it was, you know, uh, just a better likeness. Perhaps mm-hmm. the the engraving was uh, flattered over some of his uh, less quote unquote English looking features. Right. Um, and yeah, so I mean, it's it is kind of a, a silly point, but this is much very much uh, one of just like, well, I don't it doesn't fit my preconception. Therefore, it's wrong. So it's not really an argument against it. It's a uh, it's an opinion, it's an emotional it's a, opinion. Yeah, subjective yeah, opinion, yeah. Um, which for a long time up until today in in English society rooted in classism and racism. So, yeah. I mean, when when you have somebody um, very prominent scholars in the 17th and 18th century saying that he looks too Jewish, and I mean, 19th, that and, and 20th. <laughs> yeah. But but I mean, it's 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 sad to hear that because this is one of. It's the first portrait that I saw of Shakespeare that I was like, that looks like a person. Mm-hmm. It's not like part of that. The problem with that is that busts and engravings tend to not look lifelike anyway because yeah. of the nature of the medium. But this painting feels like a real person. And so it's um, it's just sad to hear that somebody would discount it because it doesn't match up with uh, perceived depiction, yeah. I guess. Yeah. It's too So the next portrait that uh, we want to discuss is the Cobb portrait. Um, this is a little bit more contentious, I think. We're getting into some murkier territory here. It's displayed mm-hmm. by the National Trust at Hashlands Park and um, has been in the Cobb family. The Cobbs are a wealthy landowning family. I think they're um, the original Cobb or the the one who got the painting in the first place was the archbishop of something so they were quite high up in terms of of the the gentry and the um aristocracy the what's the religious people clergy the clergy thank you <laughs> it took me a while there too i'm sorry that was um that was impressive. this is uh again painted on english oak likely after 1595 but before 1610 oh this is the one where the collar they they yeah. look at the collar and they're like that design wasn't um wasn't part of it after 1610 that collar went out of style so it was before 1610 again probably painted within the the time period of of shakespeare's life mm-hmm. it depicts an aristocratic looking man in kind of fancy uh, a fancy doublet that looks a lot like the drosho engraving and um it was not included in the 2006 national portrait gallery exhibition because it had not yet been identified this was only identified in 2009 after again about a three-year journey um by the shakespeare birthplace trust and stanley wells was one of the people in charge of of determining whether or not it was um a real or a fake which is interesting because he's not an art historian he is just a a very prominent shakespeare scholar yeah but uh but nonetheless wells (laughs) says that this is a likely portrait of shakespeare um it does have good provenance it was descended through this the Cobb family, and it was a Cobb who went to the National Portrait Gallery, saw In Search of Shakespeare, and said, that looks a lot, like the Jansen portrait was mm. on display, and said, that looks a lot like a portrait that we've got back yeah. home, yeah. Um, and then set about contacting the right people to have it tested. Um, the Cobbs also have a portrait of Henry Redsley, the, yeah. uh, the Earl of, of Southampton, Southampton yeah. who was Shakespeare's patron, may have commissioned this portrait to begin with. Yeah. Um, both of those are painted by the same 
painter or they're in similar styles Mm -hmm. and they both pass down through the family at the same time they both still have possession of them i believe so though that in itself is really interesting because it lends a lot of credence to the authenticity of both portraits yeah um but the cob portrait is based on or it's either based on an original portrait and it is a copy or it has been copied many times because there are a lot of portraits that look a lot like this one, yeah. the Jansen one being the most prominent. Um, so it obviously was somebody famous enough that copies would have been made, yeah. whether it was Shakespeare or somebody else. So it's, um, I think that you mean in like the lifetime, like shortly after Shakespeare's death. Yeah, up and up until yeah, a couple yeah, over the first say a first hundred years or something, it was copied quite frequently. Um, It was tested by the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust, and they did conclude that it was painted from life. Mm -hmm. So I don't have the details on how they determine that though. I don't either. I (laughs) I didn't do a ton of research on this one, even though I do like this one. Just. aesthetically i think it's a it's, it's a, a nice, nice looking it's portrait. a nice looking portrait um it does have that that weird lace elizabethan color but it's not disjointed like the the engraving is um it's a much better version of this this particular depiction than the jansen portrait which does do the thing with the head kind of being elevated from the body and not really connected to the shoulders so this is much more proportional um it does look a lot like the like the engraving. The doublet has that that same almost the same pattern. Yeah. There's stripes, uh, the the horizontal stripes, the buttons down the side, the decoration at the shoulders are all very similar. Um, so I mean, the only thing that's really different is the hairline, which is significantly lower down. Yeah. But um, this is this is the original with the the lowered hairline. For many years, that was painted back. It had been altered to give him a more balding look, ah, which to support um, the Shakespearean. To, well, sort of, but it was cleaned. Or the Jansen portrait, um, which we'll talk about in a minute, looks very much like this, mm-hmm. and it it was cleaned in the eighties, seventies or eighties, and that's when they discovered that it had the lower hairline, like the Cobb ah. portrait. So um, yeah, and this one just generally looks like a younger man. It, it does. It doesn't it does. appear uh, quite as old. It's 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 similar to the Sanders in that in that sense. It also has um, like his his face is just more narrow. It's it's more. Uh, well, I mean, if you look at the engraving, and, it it the the narrow face does still is still there. The nose is is similar as well, but it's uh it, it there there are significant deviations that I guess you could yeah. chalk up to artistic interpretation. But it you know the beard is the same, the mustache is the same, the the mouth looks fairly similar. Yeah. So I mean it it does have that passing resemblance to to the uh, in the face shape and in yeah. the eyes and everything um to the engraving. And and I I like just uh, you know, just as my own headcanon for this particular <laughs> portrait is kind of like, this would have been something that was commissioned for him as he became a noble. You know, this is after yeah. he's acquired his coat of arms. Right. He has a patron who's like, yeah, I'll give you a painting. And uh, okay, yeah, sure. I'll dress up in my... Or I want a finest. painting of you, yeah. maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, maybe perhaps Shakespeare uh, did the both. Let's or, play dress up. Yeah. Here, you can have this fancy yeah. doublet or whatever. Like, exactly. I don't know how that works. No, but, but it, it's true. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's some good... Uh, things going for this one mm-hmm. um going against it was that hairline 
uh, potentially yeah, being Yeah, anytime altered. you have a, an alteration like that that makes it look more like something that's already established. Yeah. It does. You gotta kind of wonder why yeah, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, uh, it it there's a lot of uh, people who think that it's a painting of Sir Thomas Over, Overbury. Yeah. Um, so this is another uh, nobleman of the time who... Uh, you know, had other portraits done resembles this one. So could, could have potentially have been of him. Uh, and then someone's like, you know what? I think we can make that Shakespeare. And then, well, what's interesting over. about, about Overbury is that he fell out of favor with the King and died in the tower, oh, not know that. executed died. He ate a poison tart, I believe, but he, um, tart as in the pastry, not, yeah, I uh, don't uh, sex worker. But, yeah. um, and, uh, so it, if there were all these portraits of a famous, you know, knighted gentleman um, out there. Yeah, their value then, plummeted. After, absolutely. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, let's take this guy who fell out of favor and died and let's just make him into Shakespeare. Let's do it. Right. Which, so that, that, that could explain both the prevalence of this particular depiction um, and also um, that, that the overpainting was done in the first place. Mm-hmm. I, I, I have to say, I just personally going to go on the record here i don't think it looks like very much like the other uh the two confirmed ones right uh, possibly because he is just younger though um but it, it just that one doesn't do much for me younger than the sanders portrait not younger than the sanders portrait but younger than uh the chandos and the well two but confirmed. if it was done in 1600 it would have been younger that's fully 16 uh, years uh, younger than yeah exactly but so it looks like a man in his mid-30s yeah but it doesn't look like shakespeare it is <laughs> See, you're yeah, falling I'm, into I'm the, falling into into the trap. This right? is what I'm saying. Oh, I don't boy. think I don't I don't think this one bears a uh, strong resemblance to the future Shakespeare that we will see in. The oh boy, Aiden. Boy, oh boy. What can I say? Why don't we talk about the Sanders portrait now? Because this is this is maybe one of my favorite portraits, and and you have quite a lot of information. Yeah, about well, because so. I did I did recently read the book yes, on you did. this one. Um, so it was it is a uh, privately owned. Uh, portrait that has been in a family for 400 years the and that, sanders the family. sanders family yes. that's where the names all seem to come from um so uh they actually have a date for this one it was 1603 was yeah. when it would have been painted shakespeare would have been 39 years old at the time um and th- it's a fairly small portrait i think it's like two feet by like oh it's less than that. i think it's, it's like it's 13 inches yeah yeah it's something very like small and there's there's a piece missing uh because it was done on a panel. Uh, wood panel and a piece of the panel just broke off at some point yeah. so uh he's not even really centered in yes. the, the portrait which is kind of interesting um but it shows him in kind of like a relaxed kind of it's not a very like uh courtly portrait no. uh it's a very kind of offhand he's just there hanging out he's got kind of like a little rise like smile a like an face. elizabethan snapshot yeah they were called yeah. friendship portraits and yeah. they would have been done by somebody who was familiar with the sitter yeah um so yeah it does have a very relaxed kind of and and he's got a bit of a smile there's almost a, a mona lisa quality to it yeah. isn't there because yeah. he's he looks friendly and approachable yeah um and kind of and very young for a 39 yeah. year old that's that's one strike against it that a lot of people think it's it depicts a man far too young to be 39 but eh. i mean far be it from us to to judge aiden is 35 and he looks 16 so exactly maybe shakespeare is young young at heart young, young at in heart, face and then and hairline for mm, most of his life for most of his life yeah. well it's kind of receding in this one it, it is, you can tell where does, it's going but it's funny i didn't even notice this until i was doing research on it but and i saw a picture that was a little bit lightened or the contrast was different but the hair at the front so he's got like a almost like a widow's peak yeah kind forming, of yeah yeah um 
and the, the male pattern baldness at the side, but the top of his hair is like in a top knot. It's yeah. almost like a man bun. It's like fuzzy kind yeah. of top It's growth. weird. It's a little it's strange. Like, it's like this guy would be playing hacky sack on quad, <laughs> you know? Yeah. In between us. philosophy classes. Yeah. Or in between showings of Julius Caesar. Perhaps. Right? Yeah. 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 Or Hank Sank as the Henry V was, was known by the Sanders family are, are Canadian now. Yes. They, yes. they immigrated to Canada. They, the portrait was in Montreal for many, many years. So yeah. um, the Sanders who owns it now, it, his last name isn't Sanders. It, because it's through his mother's yeah. family. But he grew up in Montreal and he said the only play that he's ever uh, watched was Hank Sank, Henry V, yeah. um, in in Quebec when he was growing up. So anyway, <laughs> just a little side anecdote. So it has a fairly good provenance. Uh, as Lindsay mentioned, it's been owned by the same family for about 400 years. And they have some fairly good records of uh, the family's history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the 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 portrait itself not quite as strong um but they're they've gone for the the they've traced the family back to a street in london yeah uh during shakespeare's time even further i think they grew yeah, up in they stratford grew, together exactly like the, yeah. the two families knew each other so or would have known each other in stratford yeah uh yeah. so i mean there's there's strong historical connections uh as strong as they can be yeah given the status of records in the time period at, at, at play but uh it is uh, as far as um, having a historical plausibility to yes. the portrait being created and handed down this family, mm-hmm. it is quite strong. Um, it's also, as I mentioned, it's undergone probably the most extensive and public testing of anything. It, it, yeah. uh, they went through it all. Uh, dendrochronology, radiology, infrared, UV. Uh, they took paint samples to ensure that they were not uh, paints used in any other time period. Radiocarbon testing of there was a tag on the back that mm-hmm. had uh that said this is william shakespeare 1603 um or william shakespeare at age 39 mm-hmm. and um, it had his birth date and his death date as well yes yeah. and but it was uh that had fallen apart mm-hmm. by the time the testing was done so it was just the kind of like the leftover bits of the paper but they tested that paper and the ink in the paper the, exactly yeah find. and it was all uh confirmed to be about uh the right age so yep. that that was all good um and uh that that so that birth date uh, that Lindsay mentioned is, is really quite interesting because uh, it, it was not April 23rd. Yeah. You know, April's uh, his birth and death date. Yes. Um, was that something that was really established as a fact uh, prior to this? Um, uh, but later scholars in the Victorian age kind of just extrapolated it. Um, uh, and it's interesting that it has this uh, from, you know, and that, that mark was made in the 1610 or 1600 to 1610 range, mm-hmm. uh, because that actually predates the discovery of Shakespeare's baptismal record in yeah. the 18th century. So it's actually mind blowing. It, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a contemporaneous, uh, uh, reference to Shakespeare's birthday being April 23rd. Yeah. So it's, it is a really cool, uh, bit of, bit of, uh, historical connections there yeah um and reading reading the book on it i which i I would highly recommend it's it's interesting because it's written as a series of chapters from the journalist stephanie nolan who uh originally discovered that this family had this portion was trying to get it uh, publicized yeah. yeah and then uh there's also these essays from scholars from shakespeare scholars uh you know uh scientists who work on uh, dating paintings and stuff, uh, art historians, all, all these kind of philosophers almost like there, there's a lot of uh, different ways of looking at the portraits in this mm-hmm. book. So I, I loved it. Um, just going to 
do my plug now. No, it's probably one of my favorites too. And I think because there's that Canadian connection, us being Canadian, there's a little bit of patriotism there. But um, I read an article in the New Yorker from 2008 that talks about how this almost looks like a Canadian Shakespeare. Like he's very open faced and very, but that is a strike against it in, in the English aristocracy in the English (laughs) class system. They can't imagine that a 400 year old painting of their national poet sat under a bed in Montreal and and it's true like this is the National Portrait Gallery did put this on display in 2006 and said there's no way that it's an actual portrait of Shakespeare even though they did none of their own testing they accepted all the the testing that had been done but they still said there's no way that this is an authentic portrait um, partly to lift up their own the Chandler's yeah, the portrait down, yeah. but I think there's there's enough circumstantial evidence around the the history of bardolatry in England to say that um, they just don't like the idea of the colonies having a from life portrait <laughs> Even of though Shakespeare. It was in it, it was, was up until, until like the, the early 1900s yeah, yeah. but but whatever it's here now it's in Guelph <laughs> so or Ottawa yeah. um, but Either way, yeah. um, the other main strike against it, I guess, is that it does appear to be somebody who's much younger than than 39 years old, mm-hmm. um, which isn't a huge strike, I guess, for, for people nowadays. If you've seen the memes going around of the way that people age now versus the way that people aged 50 years ago, I mean, 18-year-olds in 1950 looked like they were 45, and 18-year-olds <laughs> now um, don't age until they're 45. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe there's nothing to this. Maybe there's more to it. I don't know. But um, it, it definitely does, for me, um, it's one of my favorite portraits of Shakespeare and I I guess I do have a bit of a vested interest in this being proven um there do you I do as a Canadian that's what I'm saying that's just as dumb as the (laughs) it absolutely it absolutely is it totally is I'm totally gonna you know reveal it a hundred percent but I but I still think that it um it's it's a this looks like a guy who I would want to have a beer with. Like it just, and yeah. I want Shakespeare to be that. So yeah. I, you know, that's that's where my vested interest comes in, I guess, too. Double, double toil and trouble. Fire burn and cauldron bubble. Um, I guess the last, the last portrait that um, still has some question hanging over it is whether or not it's a... Um, authentic portrait of Shakespeare or not is this Soest portrait the um, painted by by Dutch painter Gerard Soest um, between about 1660 and 1680 so still sort of within living memory of people who may have known Shakespeare yeah if they were young when he died so it's really yeah. pushing the bounds of that <laughs> in living memory yeah but um, but it still has some some interesting features to it and it has been identified or or at least um presumed to be of shakespeare um for quite a while quite a long time in its history so it does have that going for it and depicts a a three-quarter view of the sitter painted with a a kind of a a a northern renaissance sensitivity that is lacking from all the previous portraits Mm -hmm. so we're getting into the later 17th century and and um you know the Flemish painters painted everything warts and all all yeah, of the yeah. the everything that they saw yeah. so this is where you get um this sitter whether it's Shakespeare or not is painted with that same receding hairline but the hair that's left is not thick and curling yeah. it's it's wispy it's and thin it's and thin yeah, yeah. um he does look like he's wearing the same 
kind of outfit that the Chando sitter was wearing. Mm. So there's something about that that kind of, but it also has a very Northern European Flemish look to it as well. Puritan kind of um, outfit look yeah, to it. Yeah, no, I don't. And I mean, the lighting is very dark. It and, is. And typical Northern yeah. kind of painter. Yeah. But but then there's those those little, those little things that make this one feel... As much as I want to have a beer with the Sanders sitter, this is the guy that I feel like is the realest <laughs> depiction. A- Aiden saw it the first time. He's like, no, that's Greg. That's Everybody knows Greg. This <laughs> guy Greg. is just, you know, he catches the bus with you. He- <laughs> he's depressed about it every yeah. day, you know? like He just doesn't look like really anything special in either case. It's, no. It's not awe-inspiring or revolting. Like, no. You couldn't... You couldn't really argue that this guy couldn't have written the plays, but he also could just do your taxes for exactly. the last 40 years. You know, like it, there's really, he doesn't strike you in any sort of no, way. No, but He's I think that's plain. what makes it so striking yeah. to me yeah. because there, there is still a little bit of a resemblance to the Chandos, to the Droshout, mm-hmm. um, but there's a realism to it that I think makes Shakespeare feel like a person mm-hmm. um, in, in a far greater sense than any of the previous porches. The Chando starts it, Sanders takes it to the next level, but this Soas portrait, um, thanks to that Northern European Flemish sensibility, has a feeling like this guy could walk out of the painting and and literally could sit down and have a beer with you and probably wouldn't like it very much. No. But um, So it's in possession of the, uh, the Shakespeare Birthplace Trust. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's it's there for all to see i guess in their reading room is where they put it up yeah um, did we see it when we went there no it wasn't put it up wasn't until put 2016 up i think okay so we well, we'll have it. to go back i, I guess well, i guess we'll have Actually. to go back to stratford yeah. i guess <laughs> um this one doesn't really have i i couldn't find a lot that went against it aside from the fact that it 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 doesn't really yeah i mean saying it was it's it's not based on another portrait is yeah and it's based on memory uh is really yeah. straining for a guy who yeah. started painting you know 40 years after shakespeare was dead yeah. so it's yeah it's hard to believe that the painter knew what he looked like knew what he looked like yeah. or even was going off of someone else's yeah description without I mean, this is after the folio. This is after everything else. Perhaps mm-hmm. you know he would have been informed. He could have gone to Stratford, but it's and not seen late it. enough that that we start to get into the hagiographic no Shakespeare exactly. portraiture. That's true. So yeah. I mean, it's in this interesting place where people aren't clamoring. Shakespeare was not in vogue. The you know yeah. post restoration or restoration England yeah. restoration drama was very different than yeah. Elizabethan. So nobody performed Shakespeare's plays very much until much further into the uh, 18th century. So yeah. I mean, people weren't weren't interested in Shakespeare at the time that Gerard Sost was was painting this portrait. So it seems less um, likely to me. That he faked it and said this is Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was there would have been no no real incentive to no. do so. But it also doesn't seem like it's out of the question for him to say this is my version of what Shakespeare would have yeah. looked like. Yeah, and maybe, maybe I did talk to somebody who knew yeah, him, and exactly. they were like, no, no, that engraving's all bad. You should, this is the real guy. Let me tell guy. you how he would. Yeah, like. yeah. And, and it was more like a police sketch then. Yeah. No, well, I mean, they always do the sketch underneath. I mean, that's that true. perhaps the original one didn't look like that. And the guy came along and said, no, no, no let me tell you. <laughs> so there are four more paintings that we're just going to very briefly touch on as um, paintings that at one point were said to be portraits of Shakespeare that have been um, debunked or uh, 
they, they're now known to be fakes. And one of them is the, the first one we want to talk about is the Grafton portrait, mm-hmm. which most people would be familiar with. It, it has graced um, the covers of some Shakespeare anthologies. It was actually the inspiration for Joseph Fiennes and the director of Shakespeare in Love for that depiction of William Shakespeare. Yeah. Um, he's kind of a, a young man. It's, it's a portrait of someone at the age of 24. So it's, uh, it's, it's a young, lively, romantic version of Shakespeare, yeah. but, uh, and definitely was painted during Shakespeare's lifetime, but, um, yeah, the, the timing it, of it's it, yeah. just a little off because, because it would have been painted in 1588, which is yeah, like, yeah, Shakespeare was 24 and those are during his lost years when we don't really know exactly what was going on. So there's very little evidence that he would have had the funds to either commission a portrait or even have been able to dress in the finery yeah. that's depicted in the portrait. Yeah. Uh, he was still kind of a commoner Glover's son probably at this time. Unless, I mean, there is the potential that perhaps he was an actor sure. and he was traveling and someone took a liking to him in sure. his in his stage costume and was like, I want to do a portrait of you. Yeah. Um, but it's it's generally considered that's not the case. And this is now uh, a portrait of someone else who was also 24 yeah. years old. And it just happens to fit. Yeah. Um, it belongs to the John Ryland University in Manchester. Yeah. The next portrait is the flower portrait, yeah. which uh, is in possession of the Royal Shakespeare Company. It was thought to have been a 17th century depiction of Shakespeare, um, was owned by the Flower family and was donated to the Shakespeare Memorial Trust in, in Stratford in the middle 1800s. Hmm. I don't know if that is related to the Birthplace Trust, if that's what they became yeah, maybe or something. They moved. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but this was long presumed to have been the original that the Drochout was based on. Yeah. And when you look at it, it, it looks, looks identical. identical. But yeah. I think that is the first tip off to me that this is based on. Yeah, the, the, the other the way around. is yeah. what we want Shakespeare to look like. Yeah. Oh, here's a painting that looks exactly like yeah. that. Um, it So the Drochout went through a couple of different engravings. He did a couple of print uh there are four, I think, existing printings from the first etching. Okay. And then he revised it to add some more highlights and detail. And all of the subsequent printings came from that, that. unless they were re-engraved later by somebody else. Yeah. Um, this flower portrait is based on those second mm. engravings. Yes. So it couldn't have been the inspiration for the yeah. first engraving. So right there, that that Pretty good knock against it, it yeah. But the, the scientific testing that was done proved that the paint did not exist in Shakespeare's time. Yeah. It's from the early 1800s. Yeah. So, it, was, so it had been touched up or redone. Yeah. Um, it does still have its defenders. There are people who still defend mm-hmm. it. And I just want to name one of them because it's maybe the greatest name of any scholar I have ever come across. Hildegard Hammerschmidt Hummel <laughs> is one of the prominent Triple defenders. H. I like it. Yes, of this <laughs> portrait as an authentic Shakespeare portrait. But, but looking at it, it doesn't really look like a... Um, well, it looks Elizabethan like, portrait. It looks like a, an 18th century or 19th century depiction of or, or imagining of what the yeah what Elizabethan and, portrait and looks like. It's way too close to the Drosha to to actually. It, it retains too many of the errors yes. of that engraving yeah. to really feel like this was a talent because otherwise the painting is quite well done. There's a lot of nice color work. And, sure, and uh, the the lines are very nice and stuff. Um, and it just it doesn't make sense to have that, yeah. you know, connected with this rather yeah, not so good. Especially engraving. especially because an engraving, you usually lose a lot of the detail that yeah. the finer details. You wouldn't reproduce that in a painting 
Anyway. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's interesting. It's it's interesting. And it does like, you're like, oh yeah, that's Shakespeare. That's definitely an easily identifiable one. But it looks like that because it was a forgery. And it, <laughs> it's not that any of these are bad portraits or anything. No, no. Like it's still worth it. I think the, the Royal Shakespeare Company having this in their possession is very fitting because yeah. it does have a history and, and an interesting provenance now. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like why not keep it around? You just acknowledge the fact that it's not uh, an of from life uh, authentic portrait. Yeah. Um, the Ashbourne portrait, so named because of the town where the person who discovered it was from, I think. Oh, okay. Um, it uh, was likely painted in 1612 and was presumed to be of Shakespeare. At one point, they thought it might have been um, of Edward de Vere, the 17th Earl of Oxford, which uh, is how I first saw it. I read a book or the... something from years earlier that said that this was probably Edward de Vere and not Shakespeare. Or was it the same? Or was because... it the same? Anyways, we're not getting into the authorship no, question. There's, no. there's a whole uh, chapter in the uh, Stephanie Newland book uh, about uh, is there the, yeah about the authorship mm. question where they debunk it yeah. thoroughly of oh, course okay. um but you know saying that for a lot of people uh when they don't see the shakespeare that they want to see they think well then this person did not write the, the yes plays. yes so it, it's actually the the fact that the drawshut and the uh bust are so non-inspiring means yeah. that shakespeare couldn't have written it yeah, as yeah, you, you've yeah, mentioned already yeah, but yeah just reiterate sorry um so it shows a, a man with a, a tasseled book resting on a, his arm is resting on, on a skull. So immediately you think, well, he's a scholar and the I guess the skull yeah, makes you think like, of Hamlet. So, yeah. you know, or this death, must generally. be Shakespeare. Yeah, a writer would think about stuff like that. Um, yeah. But it actually was, was cleaned in the 1970s, I think. And uh, they discovered that not only was the hair overpainted to give him that higher um, balding look, um, but there was a, a crest, a coat of arms that was overpainted deliberately in order to obscure who this was. And it actually w- depicts Hugh Hammersley, who was the Lord Mayor of London in, in the 1620s. Um, it was painted before he became Lord Mayor, but... Um, yeah, he had his... He yeah, his coat of arms. Yeah, so this is a portrait of uh, of Hugh Hammersley, yeah. and um, so completely debunked. But it is in possession of the the Folger Shakespeare Library. Yeah. Does have this portrait? It's and, a fine portrait. Exactly, and and like even if you know it's not him, the the idea that it, for hundreds of years people yeah. did think it was him yeah. has its own certain allure. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, and then finally the Jansen portrait, which is a poor copy of the Cobb portrait, um, and uh, it just. I, I think the fact that it's um, the fact that it's it's a, a poor copy. Like it, you, when you look at it, it it's um, the eyes are different. The the nose is a bit different. The head again is elevated off the body, very similar to the Drowshut engraving. Um, it's it's proof that these these two paintings, the Cobb and the Jansen, are are based on the same, maybe the same copy, or the Jansen is a copy of the Cobb, and so it's. Um, uh, whether or not it depicts Shakespeare is less interesting to me than the fact that it just isn't a very nice looking portrait. Yeah, yeah. It may have been painted by Cornelius Jansen, which is where it got its name from, but he would have been very young at the time. He would yeah. have been like 17, 17 or something, which may go a long way to um, explaining why it's not a very accomplished yeah. painting. Yeah. But um, yeah, either way, they they there there's a certain kind of whimsical thing going on when you when you have two paintings that are both presumably of the same person um may or may not be the person you want it to be but it's uh 
it's kind of I don't know it's kind of neat to look at but it's not a very inspiring portrait of, of anyone really no, no. villain I have done thy mother so why do we care so much about what Shakespeare looked like I mean, this is this is a question that um, I wanted to ask you, Aiden. But mm-hmm. I, I mean, I have my own ideas about why why we why we care. But I wanted to know from you, just why do you think it's important, it, or is it important to you? Uh, it's not that important to me, but I, I definitely no personally. But yeah. I, I definitely know. Well, I don't know. I definitely have ideas for why people think it is important. Yeah. I think it's just it's a natural compulsion to want to um, connect with. A human who created something right like i mentioned in my opening essay it's like if you it's you know we have this in in and this day and age has completely ruined the ability to think like this really because we have the internet and mm. we have tv and youtube and all these things constantly bombarding us with the image of famous people right um and famous creators and yeah. pop stars you know like from the beatles on downward everybody knows who are the most popular mm-hmm. uh, musicians and and actors and even writers? Uh, what they TikTok look like? Stars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> your social media mavens. Right. Uh, you know, these are the things that uh, we now take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, and the time being anything from like <laughs> the 19th century bef- on down, uh, where it was not possible to just instantly create a portrait of somebody. Um, there was a desire to you just wondered what what did the person who created this what did what did mozart look like right what did salieri look right. like you know i have obviously in my head from amadeus that's what they looked like right. in my head right but i don't actually know yeah. <laughs> i mean i've seen some portraits of mozart and so on f- since um but you know you got beethoven with the curly hair and stuff like that the these great creative people you just want to you just want to glance at them and see if it matches with what you expect mm. and um and to a certain extent, I feel like it often does. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of reinforces the idea that, uh, and it's just, I think, an, an inherent desire in people that they can recognize someone's inside from their outside. Right. You know, it's it's that old uh, trope of the good, good people look nice, right. bad people don't. And you can tell the character of someone just by, just by looking at them. Right. And so you want to see a portrait in order to confirm, yeah, yeah, that's Shakespeare. He, he looks... He looks just like a, he should based on, you know, King Lear, but not <laughs> the Merry Wives of Windsor. Obviously, that's not the same dude. Right. You know, right. like like it's it's kind of supporting that. It doesn't I, I don't feel the need to do that very much, but I can definitely see the uh, the appeal. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's part of it. I think there's also a desire to to know what what um, creativity looks like. I think we we mm-hmm. or genius, maybe we think we know what genius ought to look like. And and with Shakespeare, it's this weird place that that it's where the authorship question comes from is is that um, anybody could have written Shakespeare. It feels it feels uh, um, scandalous to say that almost. But because Shakespeare, I was I was at a drive through yesterday, a Starbucks drive through, and I was talking to the guy about going to see a play, Shakespearean play, and he called Shakespeare the Wayne Gretzky of poets of writers and I was like you know it's it's like there can be only one Wayne Gretzky there can be only one William Shakespeare but but he was just a Glover's son from wherever um so can anybody be a genius can anybody have that potential and when you see a portrait of somebody I, I guess I balk a little bit at the at the notion that 
this person doesn't look, this portrait doesn't resemble Shakespeare enough. Like what would be enough? Yeah. Right. And so when I look at, at the, the paintings that we've discussed today, and I think like any one of these could have been the guy who wrote Hamlet and I would be very happy to meet that person. Yeah. And I feel like there's, there's something about that that is very, um, comforting almost that mm-hmm. he looks so normal. Yeah. I want it the more normal, the, the, the image, the more I like it. Yeah. Um, and I think also the flip side of that is true that if he was horribly ugly, like if he looked like Donald Trump or something, we would not, we, we would be put off by it. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like you mentioned in your opening essay, um, finding out that the singer you think sounds this way, looks this way. Mm-hmm. It was like when I discovered David Beckham's voice, <laughs> exactly. like you, like you look at the guy and you're like, Oh wow. Yeah. Like what a specimen. And then he talks and you're like, Oh, you know, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit like that, you know, but, but reversed, like you have uh, the words of this person and then you see that he's actually, you know, five foot one and pot bellied and, yeah. and completely bald George Costanza, yeah. you know, yeah. and then you're just like, wow. Okay. No. Right. <laughs> so, which is totally awful, but I think as a, as a culture that would happen. Yeah. So I, I think there's, we're never going to know. No, we're and never going to know. And I feel like the, the, the choices that we make in terms of what we think Shakespeare should look like are really always just a reflection of, of us yeah. and our own biases yeah. and stuff. So when someone says, oh, I like, I think the, the Sanders portrait is perfect because mm-hmm. I, yeah, I like that little knowing glint in the eye that yes. he's got in that portrait, you know? Uh, that's because that's how you want Shakespeare to be. You want Shakespeare mm-hmm. to be a knowing, smart-alecky kind yeah. of guy who take you for a beer and then write you the most beautiful sonnet of all time kind of thing, right? William Conqueror came before <laughs> Richard III, right? That's right. That's, that's how it would go. <laughs> that's the guy you want that's, sneaking well, into your mistress's bedroom perhaps if, <laughs> if you're you were so inclined and if <laughs> well exactly and if you're more of a statesmanly kind of quiet uh you know uh philosopher king yeah type <laughs> if that's your view of shakespeare then you want him leaning on the the skull with the serious look yeah. and everything right like it 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 speaks to us and our times mm-hmm. far more than it does Shakespeare and his, of course. It's like everything in Shakespeare. You're not reading it uh, for 1603 mm-hmm. or 1598. You're reading it for 2020. Well, it's kind of the same thing. Like if you're, it's not just the paint, the painting and the portraits though. It's, it's any kind of Shakespeare artifact we can find would kind of fall into right. that same trap, right? Like, uh, like Lindsay, you'd mentioned like, well, oh, people always want to find like, a will or, or some sort of handwriting. You know, they think they could yeah. decipher Shakespeare better if they just saw his his pen in action. Yeah, yeah. Um, but could they? Like, I well, mean, that's, like, I mean there's one thing. His his will is signed. Yeah, and well, and yeah, so, so there's there's like, <laughs> yeah, six, six signatures. Yeah. I think in total there's 13 letters that they've kind of said are probably Shakespeare's written in, in a very fancy secretary hand. That, yeah. Um, but I, I read it again, that New Yorker article, which we'll link in our, um, in our landing page. Um, it talks about these two gentlemen in, in New York who bought off of eBay, a dictionary, a polyglot dictionary that, um, 
they think was owned by Shakespeare because a lot of the words that were circled in the marginalia, which is written in italic hand, not a, a secretary hand, but still they they look at, you know, the, the compound words that are being put together, a French and an English word put together, and then they find that in Merchant of Venice or they yeah, find it in yeah. The Merry Wives of Windsor or whatever. And they're like, this must have belonged to him. And all of a sudden this book becomes like elevated because it 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 shows the inner workings of his mind or something. Yeah. And I think that's what people are looking for when they try and identify um, his handwriting or, or another article from a few months ago. I think we shared it on our Twitter about somebody who was looking for the library, Shakespeare's library, like books that were owned by Shakespeare. Like, yeah. why do we care so much about having his books? Well, I think it's like anybody. We want to know how they lived. We want to know how they thought. And I mean, that's for Shakespeare. If you had a book that was owned by Shakespeare, it's like this inspired Shakespeare. Well, holy shit, that yeah. must be an amazing piece of work, yeah. right? Even though we so, know most of the things that inspired Shakespeare, sure, he was pretty upfront about stealing where he. Where but he I mean, this that. this polyglot dictionary that they that they talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it shows how you could have the, the scene in Henry V where um, it is just yeah, the, the back, back and, and forth. forth. Between French and English, it, yeah. it does feel like it's just like we're going to say the thing in French and then we're going to say the same thing in English, but in slightly different way. It's like this is what you would do if all you had was a dictionary to yeah. write it from. Yeah. So, I mean, there's if we did find a dictionary that that could prove and, and, and if you could prove that it belong to Shakespeare I mean that might go a long way to proving that this man could have written you know that that a, a, a fairly uneducated country bumpkin yeah could have, have written had the access words to the of, knowledge yeah yeah, maybe, yeah right and I mean that that there's just I guess it just it does come down to wanting to know who this person was mm-hmm. what did they look like how did they write what did they think yeah who were they who were they but maybe we all we need is to look on his book instead. Yes. Maybe. If I longer stay, we shall begin our ancient bickerings. So this week's ancient bickerings. Slightly less bickering, I think, than yeah. than normal. Yeah. We wanted to go easy. There's not really a lot to debate here. Neither one of us are scholars in this yeah, area. We don't like really I said, I was a, a an art history minor for like a semester until the University of Alberta screwed me out of that. So that's um, come up quite a few times, I have okay. to say, in this in this podcast. Uh, so maybe we'll have an episode devoted to the history of Lindsay via portraiture. <laughs> no, um, I, it's too painful. I don't want to talk <laughs> you about don't it. Time. What we're going to talk about today, though, is which of these portraits that we discussed. Uh, do we most want to be authentic? If you could have one that that Shakespeare, you know, hopped in the TARDIS and came up to, you know, 21st century wherever and said, this is me. I sat for this portrait. Which one would you want proved beyond the shadow of a doubt to be an authentic portrait of Shakespeare? Aiden, I'm going to let you go first. Personally, for me, it's the Soest. Yeah? One, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's the it's the dead look in the eyes. The dead look. <laughs> no, it's Aww. just it's this it's this weather beaten guy who's seen it all, written it all down, um, and he's still going. You know, he's it's the Greg kind of mentality behind <laughs> this portrait. It's also one of the best painted ones yes, uh, is, of yeah. all of them. I mean, it yeah. does really it screams Renaissance and it screams Northern Renaissance in a mm-hmm. way that you know goes looks like it looks like a, a Rembrandt in training kind yeah, of thing that yeah. it's very very nicely painted but I think that's a lot of the appeal for me um, but the guy is just he's just there he's he's not 
knowing with a with a tiny smirk he's not um you know trend uh striding the world like a colossus uh he's not some world beating uh superman who who has make made the english language his bitch you know and and become the greatest just a guy with a double chin yeah yeah. he won't take your shit exactly he's been (laughs) in a couple bar fights he's lost them all and he's happy about it you know like this is just a, a a guy who uh screams uh basic and yet he's not because he's fucking Shakespeare and he wrote all these amazing plays. Uh, that that to me is is my personal favorite. So there is something very sensitive about that one that yeah. I think is is quite appealing. Yeah, that, the, uh, yeah, I I, I, I like it. I, I I really like the the Shakespeare presented that way. Even though there's almost no way that's actually what he looks like. I quite like it. Well, Lindsay? I I could have gone. 50-50 on this one. Yeah. Um, I really do like the Soas portrait, but oh, I think okay. I think it, it has to go to the Sanders yeah. portrait. Um, yeah. No surprise to anybody who's listened this far in the podcast. Um, and it's not just because it's the, the Canadian connection. connection but yeah. I do like the, the youthfulness of this portrait. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that, um, and maybe it's just the the way the photographs of this portrait have been taken but there's a ruddiness to the face that makes him look like he's been out in the weather too much maybe he's a bit frostbitten or sunburned or something um the the hair is is very reddish auburn looking it feels very english it feels very um uh mischievous right and then there's that smile that i think is is just this is the guy who who writes, you know, dick jokes, you know, <laughs> this is yes. the guy who uh, like, yeah, we'll you know, 12 his, puns in, in right? six lines. You yeah, know? <laughs> he's got his little eyebrow arched. He's, he's smirking at the at the painter. Yeah, um, he's just well, but not too well. You yeah, know? like, it's I mean, like, it's, it's a nicely the, the thing that that strikes me is is it is it is very much like the um, like the draw shout, like mm-hmm. the the collar does have the points that that come out from from the the inside um it it does have the kind of a doublet not quite as um prominent as the the draw shout and there is like the the left shoulder is is missing he's not centered as as we said but um but yeah there there's there's a, a an authenticity to it. And I do like the fact that the provenance does hold up yeah. quite significantly. Well, and, and the testing is yes. all super legit. Yeah. Right? And yeah. and so I don't understand why the National Portrait Gallery threw it out so quickly, except to elevate their own. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is this is a guy that, that, like I said, I would want to, to have a beer with. Mm-hmm. I, I just think he's got this, there's like, there's like a, a dignified um, undignity. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a word? Indignity. Is indignity. The word for, but maybe, but, yeah. but not quite. But, but yeah, like, like it's, it's more it's of an the, undignity. It's, yeah. it's <laughs> the opposite of dignity. Like he's 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 a dignitarius. Yeah, he's got he's got silver threads in his coat, but he's still gonna drink you under the table. Yeah, you know, I think this is a real guy. This is a guy you would meet at a, at a London pub. This is the guy that if. Jude Law was playing Shakespeare. Yes. This is the this is the yeah, Shakespeare but get. like yeah. Jude Law in the in the early two thousands. No, we'll say like late two thousands because really? it's the receding hairline. Okay, well he had that for a while. He's it's had true. that for a long time. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, so that's that's who I'd go with. We would love to hear from you. We're, we've put up all of yeah. these these portraits on uh, 
on our description of this podcast episode on our website. Um, so go through, look at them, even the ones that have been completely debunked. If you yeah. see one like the Ashbourne portrait is is lovely. Yeah. If you if you like that one, let us know. Tell us which one you would like to see uh, most authenticated as as an actual portrait of Shakespeare. Yeah. Parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say goodnight till it be morrow. So next episode will be uh, A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. One Shakespeare's our... original comedy. Yeah. He, he's not, it's not really yeah, it's based, not on, based anything. on really anything. Aside from some folklore, hints of folklore. Yeah, of course, you got some Greek yeah. folklore, some English folklore. Yeah, um, some fairies, some fawns. There's no fonts. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of the, f- a fan favorite, I mm-hmm. would say. We mm-hmm. uh, recently just saw this uh, perform, so I'm sure we'll have lots of comments about uh, seeing it in performance. We've seen it in quite a few different contexts as well. Yeah, we've seen true. it film, we've seen it on TV, we've seen it um, in the performed three times. Yeah. We did not see it at the Globe. Not the Globe, yeah, it was Twelfth Night at the Globe, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but, but, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a fun play, and I think most people are fairly familiar with it mm-hmm. um so that's our next play episode uh so our next non-play episode will mm-hmm. be shakespeare and the supernatural fits very mm-hmm. nicely in with uh, midsummer night's dream yeah. but also with some of the plays we've got coming up macbeth hamlet yeah. um the depictions of the supernatural and how um that kind of elizabethan uh, mentality of the supernatural kind of play out in in the works of shakespeare and how his own ideas about uh folklore and and mythology and the supernatural play and especially in the midsummer night's dream which uh has quite a few original elements to it yeah that uh that should make that a really interesting episode so we hope you'll tune in for that when it comes time you can find all our episodes on itunes spotify podbean youtube or wherever you get your podcast fix if you want to tell us what you think of Shakespeare, his plays, poems, or any of the topics we discuss, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us on Twitter, that's at the Bixpod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash thebixpod, or by email at thebixpod at gmail.com. That's our cue to exit.